Well, hello again. Hello. 
You are listening to an audio zine from Open Lines Radio on artbellisdead.com, streamed through Mixler, and then shared on a multiplicity of other portals. Perhaps you're listening to this on iTunes, or Spotify, or SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or... Maybe you're listening live right now when we're streaming it. Maybe you're listening from our little website, artbellisdead.com. Maybe you're listening on Mixler, the other way to listen live, the, the Mixler app. If you download the Mixler app, that's how you can listen to any of the amazing, amazing conversations that have been fostered, hosted, um, generated from the incredible generosity and hospitality of Mark and Holly. They are just knocking it out of the park as far as service mindset goes. I mean, they are serving their community in such a deeply profound way that I can't even really put it into words. Um, I'm really grateful for what they're doing. I'm really grateful to such a degree that I've committed my own contribution to support by um, recording not just a weekly episode, but I'm attempting a, a daily episode with you know a day of rest so that should mean hopefully there will be six episodes of fireside chats added into the um uh playlists every week for you to uh dance your mind through you know carry your spirit through um said um a lot this morning it's because I'm multitasking I'm not doing what I usually do when I record this where I like sit down be still I uh, <clears throat> I'm in the midst of my little morning prep routines and I'm putting on a little simmer on the stove because we got the notorious Fallbrook fog today this morning it's like a really thick layer of gloom kind of you know chilling everything down you can see the sun peeking out so so I know it won't be for long probably by 9 30 10 o'clock we should have you know real clearness but it gives me finally that fall feeling because down here it's been so hot and blustery it hasn't really truly felt like fall yet autumn it hasn't felt like autumn yet and God, it's almost October. I mean, it's almost Halloween. October's almost over. So, um, yeah, because when I'm recording this in my experience of that myth we call time, the Gregorian calendar, 7.55, sun shining right through the top of my kitchen window. I'm locking eyes with it right now. Sun gazing. 7.55 a.m. Monday morning, October 29th, 2018. The year of our Lord and Sovereign. 
Does anyone wonder why we still count the years after Christ, even though the world has gone global and follows so many systems? Like, why hasn't China complained about the dating system, you know? Why don't we celebrate Chinese New Year? <laughs> they outnumber us by a, by a fair portion. So, I don't know. It must be cosmic. It must be intentional. I mean, I don't really mind how they count the years. But how we count time during the year, I do, I do really think we should have 13 moons. This whole month concept is a sham and a scam, if ever I heard one. The Gregorian calendar just robs us of time, makes us think that we have less time than we do. <laughs> it invented the weekend and the work week. Oh man, before that, people worked according to when their bodies were ready, their families were ready, the fields were ready, the trees were ready, the, you know, the task was ready. They worked in the rhythm and flow of their environment. They worked in concert with the rest of the universe. They didn't insist or demand on making their own way and fitting it into a box of a, of a assembly line, you know? <laughs> they didn't follow the curse of Henry Ford, which is they can have any color they want as long as it's black. I mean, that's, that's how he kept his price down. He standardized it. You know, he standardized the Model T. He wanted everybody to be able to have a car. He wanted everybody to be able to afford it. But he knew that if he was going to do that, that meant that everybody couldn't have it exactly, 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 exactly the way that they wanted it. So it's like you can have it right, like exactly right the way you want it, by taking your time and your attention and putting a little bit more resources into it. Or you can take, eh, close enough, or I guess I can work with that, or all right. <laughs> you know, not my favorite, but at least I can get to work. Metaphorically in your life, it's, 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 I don't know, it's, it's a bad energy to dwell long in. Go along to get along is really good energy for most of the time just flowing through the universe, but it can just get you lost in the current sometimes, you know? The path of least resistance is in flow with the universe. But the, the flow of the universe is not always is not always in flow with the path that culture is taking, that society is taking. I mean, society is opposite of the universal flow very often because civilization, societalization, culturalization, that's outside the naturality of, of the biological expression. 
I wouldn't say that it's outside the natural creative energy of the universe because I, I believe that everything that exists does because it's supposed to and it ought to. Otherwise it wouldn't and it didn't because that's how I think our universe works. I think everything is as it ought to be, which is terrible sometimes because sometimes things are terrible and you're like, what do you mean it's supposed to be this way? And I'm like, I don't know, read the Bible sometimes. They say a lot of weird things about how God decides shit. And I grew up holding a lot of those conceptions and so it's hard to rewire that good bad paradigm you know override that duality so when I go into the non-duality space when I go into the um, you know the that blur of what is what is acceptable what's not what is quote right and wrong like all of those questions are totally, totally human questions. And they're based off of our experiences and our morality, which are totally built within the construct of culture. Because we are biological animal creature, machines, whatever. But we also have this consciousness or intelligence or perspective or whatever that fools us into thinking that we're the only ones that think about thinking or think about growing or evolution or legacy. Like, I think it's interesting how a lot of really respected spiritual teachers and intelligentsia and scientists and philosophers, they have this truly... Uh, cognitive supremacist and uh, you know species centered way of looking at the world that I just don't align with I look at us and I go God sometimes I feel like we're the ones that have the least figured out around here I feel like if a cedar tree can survive in this plane for hundreds of years thriving and enjoying sunrises and sunsets and beautiful winds and breezes it's like how's that a worse life or a less dignified life or a less wise life or a less intelligent life like we don't know what forces of will that being has because we don't understand what it is to be in tree consciousness. We don't understand what it is to be a tree. We don't know how smart a coral is by deciding when to burst into uh, bloom and set its spores out into the sea. We don't know what kind of wisdom exists in the cells of our body we just can't possibly conceive of it we don't know what it's like to be a material item that's not breathing that's not quote living the way that we quantify or measure life 
I mean, this whole idea that we measure and judge and evaluate, we don't know that other creatures don't do that. We presume they don't. I mean, not, not with a morality lens like we do. Maybe with a food f flea, what is it? Food flea or fuck? Food fighter f fuck? That's, that's the judgment of most biological creatures is when they're coming upon something unfamiliar or they're just measuring something, trying to figure out what it is they have to evaluate. Is this something I need to flee from? Is this something I need to fight? Is this something that's food for me or is this something I need to fuck? <laughs> and, you know, humans have all those same questions and drives, but we have this weird time myth, this weird spell cast over our days telling us, you know, to eat when we want to sleep, telling us to sleep when we want to go, you know, howl at the moon, telling us to sit at a desk when we want to go run through the forest, telling us to, you know, go jogging at 5 a.m. when we want to sleep in till 9. Like, it's just this weird cultural judgment construct that I feel distracts us from the the true nature of ourselves, which is just being, just being, just being. Just being. Guys, I am living beyond the afterworld right now. I mean, just beyond. Gals, pals, my dudes. It's just beyond. I have overcome cellulitis. There, I said it. I've expunged it from my body and I've insisted that it not return again, ever again. I've cast it out. I've cast a lot of things out of my awareness and my beingness, but uh, that one I don't know that I ever did cast out intentionally. I just wasn't afraid of it anymore because... My weight had gone down so much and I had had so many um, other interventions and chief, the chief trigger for the cellulitis was always the lymphedema. That's, that's the issue. The cellulitis is caused by lymphedema. The lymphedema is caused by the radiation damage. The radiation damage was caused by trying to save my life from liposarcoma. That's just a short bullet point for anybody that hasn't listened to the other episodes, doesn't know jack shit about what I have going on in my business, but basically I had a lot of medical drama and this last week 
I, I had a brush. I had another glimpse into a path and I, I, I was, I was closer to fear consciousness than I've been in a while. I'll tell you. I felt a lot of stuff come up, a lot of purging and I know, okay, yeah, whatever. Cosmic energy, solar storms, geomagnetics, purging, light codes, upgrade, DNA, embodiment, blah, 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 motherfucking blah. Okay. I get all that. But for me personally, in my personal experiencing, I can tell you exactly what led to that flare. And yeah, the timing of it, the synchronicity of it, yes, affirms the truth of all of the astrology, all of the galactic reading, all of the intuitive readers, all the energetic readers are talking about what I'm bearing out in my body. Because I am going through somatic healing. I am going through a shamanic transformation process. And take it as you will. People can call me a shaman if they want. I know that I was dragged into this experience like, you know, a fish hook in my cheek. Like, you know, like a bullwhip wrapped around my ankles. I was dragged into this shamanic healing experience. And I mean, I'm glad now because of the power and the healing and the resurrection and the restoration that I have. But <laughs> what I have chosen, well, of course, yeah, because what did I say at the beginning? Everything is as it ought. Everything is as it ought. Everything is as it ought. So, Okay, I guess I would choose it again, but you can tell there's not a whole lot of enthusiasm in that choice because it's been it's been there's been a lot of pain or experiences that could be interpreted as painful emotionally and spiritually and physically and Oh my God, the relational pain of going through shamanic transformation, um, being initiated into shamanic practice in particular, I, I, it's just, it's, it's indescribable. I cannot tell you the amount of relational agony this vessel has experienced in this path. I'm not even talking about like past lives, if you believe in that sort of thing or ancestral trauma, if you believe in that sort of thing. I'm talking about my day-to-day -day lived experiences and my human earthly relationships with, with my environment and universe and people and beings, like as egoic as you can get with it. It's been very, uh, Uh, it's just there's been a lot of pain so you know I'm grateful for the healing I really am and I'm particularly grateful for the the gifts I can share with others when I when I'm able to share the wisdom of my healing, the wounds that I've overcome in my body, and I can show other people a path of how they can restore their own flesh in a similar way. I'm very grateful for 
the wounding I've experienced because of that. Um, because it means that I can lessen another's burden just a little bit. I mean, that's all I really want to do is just make things a little bit easier on the people around me, the beings in my space, um, smooth the path. Be like Palo Santo incarnate. <laughs> smooth the vibes, just set me on fire. Yeah, so, you know, I had a brush, another episode of cellulitis. Oh, and if you're curious as to what the triggering events were, it was just basically an escalation of lack of self-care, you know. I was just basically doing the bare minimums of all my self-care kind of going through the motions. I wasn't really being tender with myself and I chiefly wasn't doing my bathing medicine, which involves spending a significant amount of time in a ceremonial ritual bath with a lot of um, herbal supplements, you know, tub tea and sometimes crystals or candles, um, smudging. Sometimes I'll do like fumadora beforehand or I'll do a Perry steam therapy session prior to or following the bath. Sometimes I'll do solar bathing with um, uh, like a topical cannabis rub down and then I'll go lay down in the sun and let it soak into the scar tissues and things like that. Um, really heal on the deeper layers, you know, kind of send it through deeper into the skin after the pores have been all opened up from the Epsom salts and the hot water, if I go out and lay in the sun with the can of butter massaged into my skin, it really just, um, it really helps. I started um, doing that when I was working with, because I used to go and lay out in the sun and I'd put like coconut oil on and stuff, but she was the one, I started working with Juliet, um, WB Dreamer on Instagram. WB Dreamer on Instagram. Juliet, she used to, um, uh, Juliet Sear, Juliet Wallen. I'm not sure what last name she's going by at the moment. She's a Hayoka like me, so she changes her name pretty much every day. Um, but Juliet's pretty consistent. You can usually find that name on there. WB Dreamer. She's a, a powerful channel as well and a wonderful energy healer and she works very well with um, uh, plant medicine and uh, she can she can spin a yarn, I'll tell you. She's an excellent storyteller and a compassionate ear and she's my temple sister and we've been in, uh, we've been in communion for a while. Um, and one, one time when she was staying here with me and we were working together, I just started sunbathing after she had given me this huge massage with can of butter, like full body massage with can of butter. And then I laid out in the sun and I just felt such healing and soothing and transformation. And she's like, yeah, it's great. I do that all the time and it really works. And so... I started doing that more and I remembered how I used to lay out in the sun when I was younger, you know, when I was a kid, teenager, and how 
before the fear messaging of skin cancer and the actual, you know, photosensitivity that I experienced from having been exposed to chemotherapy and radiation and stuff like I really avoided the sun like more than a vampire for years. I mean, years of my life. I I mean, I could burn my I could get a sunburn on my arm wearing a long sleeve shirt riding in a car you know, for a half hour, an hour, like, I mean, that's how sensitive my skin was at one point. So to go from that to like slathering up in coconut oil and going laying out in the sun, um, it was a full time machine moment. It was like, I was back to 1987, you know, laying, laying in my parents' privacy garden when they were out of town, you know, because that was really the only truly enclosed area oh no that would have been where would I have been in 87 grandma's might have been at grandma and grandpa's no we might have been at Doherty already by then well we were either staying at my grandparents house or we had already moved into a rental house on Doherty because by the summer of 1990, we were building the house that I mostly lived in for uh, junior high and high school. Or I mean, for, sorry, I was done with junior high, beginning high school uh, in 1990. So uh, it would have been... September of 1990 we moved into that house so yeah anyways the point is I used to sunbathe when I was a child with our pool in Los Angeles or going to the beach in the summertime and I was never worried about getting sunburned if we were going to be at the beach for a long day my mom would put bullfrog on us do you remember that horrible clear sticky gross sunblock like she would put that on us um but usually only like I remember she would really only put it on me and my brother like the first couple times we went out in the sun in the summertime and then she'd kind of like not really worry about it that much with us because we would tan up me and Zach we would really tan up pretty well but Gloria Gloria was oh my gosh she was like ghostly white like freckled and so delicate in skin blonde blue Zach was blonde blue too but and freckly a bit but he just he never has had as sensitive of skin as Gloria did Gloria burned terribly always so we always slathered her up with sunblock so um now knowing what I know I wish we would have put more zinc oxide on everybody and just looked white and pasty and silly like 50s tourists or something and you know left the SPF whatever's you know those the chemical ones haven't really helped us it's it's been not how we should be relating to the sun I mean we've given ourselves vitamin D deficiencies so we put vitamin D in the milk that we're not supposed to drink because it pulls the calcium out of our bones it's like Oh, God.
That's what I mean. Specific advice versus general advice. Specific preference versus general preference. Peanut butter and jelly is great for most people, except for the ones that are diabetic and can't have jelly. The ones that are gluten intolerant can't have bread. The ones that are allergic to peanuts can't have peanut butter. You see what I'm saying? Like, goes together like peanut butter and jelly. Goes together like peas and carrots. Okay, well, never met anybody that's allergic to carrots, but I'm sure there's somebody out there. I know there's plenty of foods that I'm not allergic to, but I now know I need to avoid because they have too much fiber in them and they cause radical gastroparesis for me. So I just don't eat them, right? Even though I enjoy them, they're delicious. I miss them. Like what's a good example? Like salad. I love nice a nice, crunchy, cold, delicious, full of produce salad with flavor and texture and like wonder and interest. Hi, vegetarian. Do you have anything on the menu that's vegetarian? Yes, we have a fine selection of vegetarian options. Did you look at our salads? Well, if you can't eat salad and you're a vegetarian, you go to a restaurant, the waiter looks at you funny. <laughs> I go, can you just bring me some french fries with some mushrooms on them and cheese? Ooh, ooh, do you have avocado? Do you have avocado? Just bring me an avocado. I'll be great. And all of the other humans are staring at me like, what is her problem? It's because I've learned that the few moments of social discomfort at the table that we're all gathered around in some weird, bizarre ritual that doesn't make sense with our lives anymore for how we live our lifestyles. But, you know, we still do it. We sit at restaurants and chat while we're trying to consume nutrition. We have try to converse while we're trying to consume it's like silly practice but okay it's not communion it's not fellowship but it's this bizarre ritual that we go through of going to restaurants so I go and I try to just be social but then there's the food component and for the food component um well look I'm not going to go into the long complicated suite of food issues, eating disorders, medical enigma, problematic issues that I have that cause me to have different dietary uh, hurdles, you know, when going out to eat or whatever. But suffice it to say, it's, it can be cumbersome. You know, I've had to come up with some strategies, some coping techniques to get through restaurant experiences, um, especially like more than just a standard like, okay, we're on the way home, we have to feed the kid and I'm supposed to eat some calories too right now so I don't look rude and sitting here with nothing in front of me. So I order something and okay, I have that protocol down. Like it's just French fries. Nobody ever looks at you weird if you just order fries they go don't you want anything else like yeah i'm good that's the end of it right it's like if you order a cup of soup or something they just realize you're not that hungry it's not a big deal right it's it fits within the standard of norms and the humans don't get too frazzled 
like don't frazzle the humans they don't like it when you don't follow the protocol too 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 far off the norms like little standard variations you know you want fries with that absolutely can i get a salad instead no problem uh you know can i have a plate of sliced tomatoes my dad used to ask for that all the time when we were growing up because like he was always trying to manage his weight, like doing weird diet plans and programs and stuff. And I just remember like, <laughs> that would be like a common thing that like we'd be at a restaurant and he'd order something and he would just ask for instead of like whatever fries or, you know, potato salad or whatever they were offering on a side with their sandwich that he would ask for just like a side of sliced tomatoes or something. Now that would be like travesty. They're like, Sure, for $3 extra, because tomatoes are freaking expensive in restaurants usually, you know, or at least periodically they can be. Because it's a seasonal item, sometimes it's hard to access depending on what region you are in. And sometimes they really do make a stink about adding tomato, extra tomato, you know, more than your fair share of tomato. It's sort of like, I mean, it's not on the level of avocado, you know, upcharging, but... I remember there was a while when even at like fast food restaurants, they were telling you like if you asked for extra tomato, they would charge you extra because there was such a shortage. There was some sort of like a uh, growing problem or it wasn't to do with the drought. I don't think it might have been one of those E. coli thingies, those food born illness thingies that happen every once in a while. We're like, oh, my God, nobody eat the spinach for like three months, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> anyways, that was a ramble. I, uh, I am talking about going through restaurant experiences and trying to not upset my social cohort, the people that I'm with and, or also the social co cohort at the venue. I don't want to upset the staff. I don't want to make their life difficult. I certainly don't want to upset the service staff who have the least amount of control over what goes on the plate. You know, they're not cooking the food. So why do I blame the, the um, waiter for the complicated menu or the fact that they don't have any, you know, quote, healthy options on their menu? It's not his fault or her fault, their fault. It's not their fault. It's no one's fault. I could have looked at the menu before I walked in. I could have made a stink in the parking lot and said, let's go somewhere else. But path of least resistance. Path of least resistance is, I'll have the fries. Do you have fries? Oh God, if you're at a restaurant where they don't have fries, that's happened to me a couple times. Let me tell you the wonders of going to an Italian restaurant, ladies and gentlemen. That was so weird. I got a phone call from Georgia. I don't know anybody in Georgia except Stacey Abrams, who I hope gets elected governor. Um, I mean, I don't know them personally. I just, I was just trying to make a Georgia joke. That doesn't seem very jokey right now. Nothing feels jokey about politics at the moment. Everything feels overly serious, which is maybe why I made a joke about it. The point is, why are people calling me from Georgia at... 8.25 in the morning, that's even before the legal limits for spam callers. 
They're supposed to wait till 9 a.m. Hmm. That was a big drink of coffee. Uh, wow. <clears throat> that totally just napalmed my thought train, though. Like, I, I don't... I don't know where I was going with that. Restaurants? Oh, yeah. Italian! Hooray! <laughs> my <laughs> my <laughs> dearest love sprung from my deepest hate or something. Yeah, I mean, I love Italian food. I grew up eating a lot of it because my mother... Um, even though she was raised on a lot of... Um, just, you know, down-home country cooking type stuff. Depression-era parents and not a lot of income. Grew up on dairy ranches most of her life. Um, and uh, and her both of her parents, their families were originally from uh, Oklahoma, Louisiana, you know, that side of the country. So we let's just say we ate a lot of golden brown food growing up. Um, gravy and uh and stuff like that meatloaf mashed potatoes um uh things like that but she also did a lot of really um unique and creative dishes she's a wonderful cook incredible i mean food is her love language she gifts out of herself using her hands and her heart these amazingly uh, healing and nutritious and indulgent meals and they're so rich and diverse and sometimes they're like quote healthy some people would call like oh that's so healthy look at that meal it's like you know steamed fish and fresh salad and like a a nice whole grain pilaf or something like that and then sometimes it's like a 10 pound tray of manicotti or enchiladas or um whatever you know but stay for sunday have ricotta pancakes you know uh it's just she she makes everything but she loved italian food she loved pasta and so she would make it all the time we would have a lot of italian food growing up and so it was one of my favorites i would make it all the time too um and i mean hi pizza Pizza, 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 pizza. Who doesn't love pizza? And my kid loved pizza. And so, of course, I ate a lot of pizza. Well, when you have to give up bread or doughy expanding stuff like that because of what it does to your gut, because I have had bariatric surgery, so I have a teeny tiny tummy. Teeny tiny toddler tummy with six rows of titanium staples. It's basically like a giant esophagus, like one long banana esophagus going all the way down they cut off the fundus to my stomach but i still have my pyloric valve hey so anyways um the point is i can't eat carbonation i can't eat a lot of stuff that's like that's doughy or will expand a lot so like even like dry crackers or like bagel chips pita chips oh my god i learned the first couple times i ate pita chips i was like okay <laughs> that was fun Woo! No. That was fun for about 10 minutes when you were first crunching through it and eating that yummy dip that was on the pita chip or the bagel chip. 
And then, you know, the sponge starts, you know, like those little, like, those little toy animal thingies, like, come in capsules, you drop them in water, and they, like, expand to a hundred times their size, like, that's basically what a bagel chip is. And you eat it in your stomach, and it goes, and then you're like, why did you do this to me? My stomach yells at me and goes, you hate us. Why do you hate us? And I go, I'm sorry, stomach. I forgot how little you were. And I didn't know that they would do this. I promise not to do it again. And they're like, you better, you bitch. (laughs) And I'm like, I promise. I'm so sorry. Forgive me, stomach. I know not what I did. (laughs) That was the curse of the bagel chips. The point is, imagine that with pizza. Even a nice flat bread, like thin crust pizza. It's just, you know, you can't. Not not and take yourself seriously. I can eat maybe one piece. And and then I'm like, what? Like what kind of nutritional benefit did I get from that? What kind of sustaining elements did I get? And then I learned about the difficulties I was having with tomatoes and I couldn't figure out why every time I had a burrito um, that had pico de gallo in it, I was having a problem because it wasn't spicy. And I was like, oh my God, the raw onions and the raw tomato, I can't, I can't do it. The fiber has to be cooked down. It's, and, and there were times when my gut was really, really sensitive that I couldn't do any tomatoes at all, really. Like a little bit of ketchup here and there or a little bit of tomato sauce in a soup, sure. But like spaghetti sauce, like lasagna, no, there's no way. It just wasn't going to happen. So imagine walking into an Italian restaurant and you say, I can't eat bread, I don't eat meat, um, uh, and no, I can't have pasta. Um, because again, pasta has the same like expansion problem as pizza crust and bread. And at that time I was really sensitive. I was on a really like tender, limited series. Like I wasn't, I wasn't going to mess around with anything. And like, I literally just freaked out because I was looking at this menu and like every dish I looked at, it was just like an Italian word or, or name and then a list of ingredients And every dish had like three or four ingredients that I just straight up couldn't have, right? So I was like, well, I could have this dish if you took five things out of it. I could have that one if you took three things out. I could have that one if you took three things out. I could have that one if you took five things out. And I'm just like, well, none of these dishes are going to be what they are if I have them make it in a way that I can eat it, you know? And I was like, so, and, and then I just basically straight up had a panic attack and I'm like, crying at the dinner table and I'm not not like hysterically crying but I'm like literally just like tears are running down my face as I'm like turning the pages on this menu going what am I going to do and like my mom is like trying to help me and the waiter is trying to offer things or the waitress this was a a feminine looking person um I, I and and I was like I don't know I don't know I'm like just can I just like tell you ingredients that I can eat and they can put it on a plate for me? She's like, sure, we totally do that. I was like, do you have potatoes? She's like, we got potatoes. I'm like, do you have mushrooms? 
we have mushrooms. Like, do you have cheese? Like, we have cheese. I'm like, can you just put that on a plate? She's like, you mean like melt the cheese on the mushrooms and tomatoes? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Do that. <laughs> She's like, sure. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, just go back to crying and I'm like, wait for her to go away. I mean, like, it was bad, you guys. And I'm just telling you, that is one restaurant experience, but I've had dozens of similar ones not as bad maybe but like similar some that were worse but in different ways like where I've had just straight up panic attack meltdowns at the restaurant because the words just start swimming at a certain point when you're in that kind of a triggered fear space and a demand is being pressed upon you and you and you just your brain can't come up with an answer you just short out into stuff that that it's just like an automatic like and I've made so many automatic reactions where I just go, sure, I'll just have the the grilled cheese or sure, just bring me a cheese pizza. Like I just default into something that I know I can like muscle through in the moment, but I know will cause me great joint pain later, intestinal distress, or I'll vomit in the bathroom. Like before I leave the restaurant, like I won't be able to finish my plate. Like that I've done that so many times where I'm like, I'm not going to waste the experience of ordering, having made and buy the food, bring it home, just have it waste and throw away and just no. So I've learned to try to adjust my orders so it's something that I can at least eat and enjoy. And sometimes I end up ordering really strange conglomerations of food. And and I don't care because who cares? I don't like what y'all are eating either. It makes me sick when I see somebody chugging a rock star cola. I want to kick you in the vagina watching you order a pumpkin spice latte with like extra pumpkin spice bullshit in it i you know i just i want to like burn down all the mcdonald's i want i i i don't like what y'all are eating either is what i'm saying but the point is i don't judge you for it i realize that that fuel is serving you in some capacity you're working through something you're experiencing something you're medicating something you're transmuting something you're fueling something you're ritualizing something you're habitualizing something you're consuming something and it's no business of mine what you're consuming it ain't on my plate it's not going in my mouth unless it's like a really really stinky piece of fish or limburger or something I really don't have any say about you eating it. And even if it is stinky, you know, I can get up and leave the table. I'm in control of me. I'm in control of my experience. So, yeah. Going to restaurants, choosing foods, general preference versus specific preference, guys. Like, there is so many lessons in food and in sharing food and learning to share food and that apply to many 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 areas of our lives like don't yuck somebody's yum that that's a good rule don't yuck somebody's yum you see somebody serving up a bowl of vanilla ice cream and sprinkling goldfish crackers on it hallelujah to you bro sweet and salty i love it i love it have at it you see somebody housing a sack of flaming hot Cheetos or Takis that you know are burning their esophageal lining and cutting the roof of their mouth. 
and setting their intestines on fire and filling them with artificial color. And you just want to go, what are you doing? Let me tell you, that judgment is more toxic to you than their enjoyment of those snack foods is to them. So stow it. Keep your eyes on your own plate. Don't yuck somebody's yum. There is no such thing as health food, guys. There's food and there's shit that is inedible and ought not to be eaten. Humans have figured out a way to consume a lot of inedible shit. Things that ought not to be eaten. Right? But have you ever heard the phrase, too smart for your own good? Yeah, I, 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 let me, let me tell you about the Morteros. Oh my God. You know what? I'm going to save that for tomorrow because we're coming up on an hour. I just looked at the timestamp. It's 48 minutes into this nonsense, this uh, chat, this ramble, this flow, this Monday morning. I'm going to save the tale of the, the Morteros. And you know what? What I might do is I might, I'm going to get, I'm going to get my history book out and I'm going to read I'm going to read to you guys from it because it's important understanding. They took their technology and because of displacement, either because of accident or design, they were moved from one locality to another locality. They kept using the same techniques of food prep and in the new environment, it, it sickened them and they were lost within a generation, an entire people wiped out wiped out because they just kept doing it the way they were doing it in the new place instead of listening to the land and their bodies and what it was calling for and I in no way fault them because likely they were displaced outside their volition and likely they were restricted access to other resources or tools or equipment so likely they were striving just to survive and they were wiped out because of the pressures of colonial transformation. So, it's Morteros Moon, so we should hear the tale of Morteros Moon, and I'm going to save that one for tomorrow. But, um, yeah, grind, grind their bones to bake their bread. That's what they did. They grinded up their bones, unfortunately. We can't all... Uh, swallow our own tails like the Ouroboros. We can't burn the candle at both ends. That's what they were doing. So this is about enough. Quite enough to be going on with, as they say. I'm a miracle breathing. How are you this Monday morning? I am a miracle breathing. And you are too. We am magic. We am magic indeed. We am powerful witches indeed. We we am eternal. We am blessed. We am alive. 
We am well and getting weller all the time, all the time. Hmm. And with that, I say Chihololi, which means I love you. And Chukma Chipisolacho means hello. I will see you as the Chickasaw have no word for goodbye. Broke down, thought that I would drown Hoped I'd be found before I hit the ground Sun is at the corner of my eye Yeah, saw you weeping, saw you creeping Saw you sneaking in the shadows long I feel so strong Saw you at the corner of my eye